conferences, long agendas, big venues, always on your feet, barely getting to see the people that you want to see, and then, of course, the expense. Well, the three of us at Good Morning Hospitality are launching Good Morning Retreats. Our first retreat is this July 8th through the 10th at the Horse Hospitality Training School in Auburn, Alabama. If you go to goodmorningretreats.com, you'll find out more information about our first retreat that we're launching. We have already filled half the slots. We have 20 available and we have about 13 already filled. So make sure you go there, you apply, show your interest, and we'll get you all situated for our first ever Good Morning Retreat. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. And now back to the episode. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, happy belated Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all Cyber Monday. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you guys ever feel like any of the because I saw like a lot of big name brands come out like, oh, our Black Friday deals are out now at like live and active and it's like 20% off. I'm like, what? 20% off. That's like a Labor Day special, not a Black Friday. <laughs> It's like 50% off every year. Come on. What are you guys doing? I have never once participated in Black Friday, so I'm totally out of the loop. I I have accidentally. It's it's not something I wake up at midnight and go or stay up all night and go do. I don't get it. Um, But hey, kudos if you are and driving the world's economy one purchase at a time. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> One Xbox at a time. Yeah. It always gives me a great list of emails to unsubscribe from. So I love that. That's a, mm-hmm. a great. That was a tactic I deployed this year as well. Yeah. That's very <laughs> smart. It's like, all right, just let them stack up. What ones do I find important? You know, Keep they them. have your email if they're hitting you on, on uh, Black Friday or Cyber Monday. So yeah. Purge 100%. the inboxes, people. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, anyways, now that we're back and it, I feel like it's probably a little bit of a rough morning for a Monday because we've been all relaxing and taking some time off and kind of getting to enjoy some time with our families and friends and all that good stuff. So uh, for any of the listeners or viewers out there, please forgive us if we may be a little slow. Uh, maybe the caffeine hasn't kicked in, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm on that boat. I have taken quite a few days off, so. Struggling to get back into the rhythm. But uh, outside of Thanksgiving holidays, you guys are doing good. Excited to be back. Any other plans for Christmas? Are we going to see Brandy <laughs> with a new background again or what? what we? Yeah, <laughs> I'm in Saratoga. I have a very, very early flight back to Miami tomorrow, 5 a.m. Pretty brutal. So I'll have a different background next week, too. <laughs> you'll you'll be able to hit the office right on time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My home oh. office. <laughs> Let's get the beat. 
Um, yeah, man, it was a good, good little break, but, um, the, the deeper I get into this business, the more I try and get done on Sunday afternoons. So my Mondays are a little bit easier and more team focused versus the stuff that I have to get done. I love a good Sunday work sesh. So I, I like that. I like that method. Um, not a ton of news came out though this last week, kind of expected due to the holidays. I wouldn't expect a lot of people would really care, but there's quite a few good stories um, we got to talk about. Did you guys have one in particular? I know we have one main topic, but anything that kind of stood out to you guys individually, uh, just kind of scrolling through like shorttermrentals.com or focus wire or anything like that. Um, well, I have one that's not, uh, it's not really news related, but I've been hearing our industry brought up in podcasts and kind of the media in general. Um, and it's been really interesting. I've heard it on a couple po- comedy podcasts uh, where people are complaining about um, Airbnb fees or being asked to do like chores before leaving. And I know that's been a big topic or people have been complaining about having to pay a cleaning fee at all. And so I just find it interesting more and more, especially in the last couple of months, we've seen our industry or at least Airbnb become like a hot topic, especially around cleaning fees and things like that. So it's interesting to see kind of like our niche market kind of out in the zeitgeist now. If you don't want to pay a cleaning fee, then clean up after yourself. <laughs> yeah. <So> don't <laughs> complain about it. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Pick one. You can't, you can't, can't pick both. Um, I think the, the interesting stuff for me through the holidays was uh, some of the accommodation stories coming out of the World Cup, where one, there's a severe lack of accommodations in a host country that was um, maybe a flyer, if you will, to host a, a game like the World Cup. But a lot of people are flying back and forth from Dubai, so they don't have to stay in Qatar um, or wherever, I guess, the host games are being played. And they've built little villages all around the stadiums that, in many cases, they were going for, I think I saw 250 bucks a night, and they showed up, and, and it was kind of fire festival style where there wasn't mm-hmm. even running water. So... Yeah, accommodations at major global sporting events strikes again. Um, This is typically why they're hosted in major, major cities with heavy travel um, businesses behind them. So so accommodations and travel and all that can can make sense. But, you know, putting putting those struggles aside, there's a lot of other struggles that are happening with those games with quality and um, protests and what you can and can't say or can and can't do or can and can't drink. So interesting to see this on a global scale and uh, you know how that makes us happy to have the freedoms that we do. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Way to preach on a good Monday morning. Um, I love it. I love it. Bring it back around. Um, Well, no, that's really cool. I, I agree with both, and I was telling Brandy before we jumped on to the live was uh, that was actually kind of our main topic last week with, with Jamie from AirDNA, cleaning fees, chore lists, all the above. Um, always a fun topic. Can't, can't go wrong with that, uh, as a lot of people have opinions on it, whether to or to not. Um, so always great to see it in the, the mainstream media. Um, 
But today's article of choice, shout out to Paul Stevens from shorttermrentals.com. But covering that, you know, Airbnb co-founder joins the Rouse funding, uh, which I think this is their second round. They did a pre-seed or a seed round um, prior to this three million raise. And so Rouse, basically what they're doing is building these cabins, finding a piece of land to lease and put those cabins on. And the, the, um, the landowner can then decide if they want to participate in, of course, the cleaning of it. Um, okay. And to um, the, they can either do the cleaning of it or they can hire it out through the, the main company itself. So, um interesting move would love to hear you guys thoughts and opinions because there's a lot that we can discuss and go into but i have a few points myself but i'll let uh actually let's let yeah michael since you're ready to speak let's just let you take the floor <laughs> I, I think um you know nate joe brian can be the the juggernauts of startup investments over the next decade they have the data they know where travelers are going um yeah, they got to be careful with non-competitive investments. And this one, some people might view as competitive if they're in, in certain markets, but because these are so remote cabins, uh, there's probably not a whole lot of people up in arms that they're playing in the backyard, like, you know, maybe a apartments by Marriott with sextants, you know, some kind of mm-hmm. rivalry right there down the street. <laughs> uh, with the amount of data that these founders have, not to mention the tens of billions of dollars that they're they're worth, even individually. I think, um, I think it's it's a good it's a good litmus test for where the industry is going, and for them to put their money behind a concept like this is awesome. You know, we we had on this show uh, a guest uh, a number of months ago probably six months yeah. ago, Hector from Unplugged, who had a has a similar concept, but takes it one step further and actually removes cell phones from people when they get to property, uh, a digital detox. I'm desperately in need of a digital detox. Uh, yeah. you know, I feel like I'm sucked into my phone more and more as my business grows and scales. Um, good to see you, Steve Schwab, by the way. Uh, but... You know, it's it's interesting, again, like the direction that travelers are focusing on more remote, more property as the destination uh, versus, you know, choosing a uh, beach town and kind of just doing the usual same thing every every week, every year. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, all in all, seeing an Airbnb founder starting to invest in the space is a good sign for all early stage companies in the space, uh, especially if you can land an investment from them. Mm-hmm. I really like that. And sorry, Brandy. I, I, I was just going to say the, I like the, um, the, in the last year they've created 20 cabins and they've had about 2000 guests. So hundred guests per cabin. It's not bad to say or do for your first year. I think, um, you know, especially that they're, I think they're mostly in Germany, um, or some other part of Europe, uh, totally forgot and misread Germany. the article, but Germany. Um, so, you know, this isn't a market that we're seeing a lot of 
activity in i think from like news perspective wise i know there's inventory out there i know there's travelers i know all that stuff is existing even though we don't see it um but you know i think that's given them you know quite the i i like seeing a startup taking that slow approach like okay 2000 guests let, let's get some inventory let's get some heads and beds let's figure out what works what doesn't work um and now they're going to create probably some more great concepts with this funding uh, which i'm excited to see about because i'm a big believer in like the recreation destination stay um so yeah really exciting but i'll let brandy um add her thoughts now. yeah no i think it's really interesting now that we're seeing kind of people look at these vacations or where can we go to disconnect like to michael's point we're so attached to our phones um i just kind of had my own little digital detox in the mountains for five or six days and it feels so great to just not look at my phone and so i think you know obviously people can use their cell phones at these cabins it's not like those others that michael mentioned but I think you're seeing people more be like, where can we go to get away where we can be like have quality time with the people that we're spending on vacation. And you know, we're seeing this in Germany, but we're obviously seeing that in the United States as well. So I think that's nice. You know, um, obviously as an urban operator, I still want people to come to the city, uh, but I can totally understand the, the desire to want to have this, you know, kind of escape from your daily life. Yeah. And we were, so like Brandy, you were at the, well, Michael, you were too. Duh, I forgot. Um, we were all in Miami together at the Book Direct show. So um, getting to see a lot of people talk about like destination creation and really like embarking on like the experience side rather than just the like scale, scale, scale. Everyone talks about, you know, getting 300, 1,000, 5,000 doors or whatever um, the, the goal marker is. And it's really, I don't know, I think when you can focus on profitability early on with limited inventory that is really rememberable it is really something like these families or these couples or these solo travelers are going to be able to go back and be like hey every year right before the holidays guess what being the 10 closest people to me are going to go to these cabins um i saw that you know rouse did like a, a retreat basically it's one property with multiple um cabins i love that concept i would do it personally um so i love that that's the focus and obviously um you know, it's uh, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what they do with the capital in the sense of are they going to focus on scale now? Or are they going to just try to push to the, the unit count and kind of drop down in quality or are they going to use it wisely and continue to focus on experience first? That's kind of well, my big. Um, Joe, who has stepped off of uh, the Airbnb board, is going down his own entrepreneurial route uh, post Airbnb with i think it's called samara but basically it's these cabins that they're putting out there so uh, joe's investment is more towards a, a management company where they're going and leasing land from people who have thirty thousand acres in you know the middle of nowhere um, and dropping you know remote cabins out there for for people to go and enjoy so it's it's sort of a lease arb model, but just out in out in the countryside. And you know, in terms of, I think one of the biggest challenges is getting people's attention to go out to these places. You know, finding or hearing about them, it pretty much has to be word of mouth unless they have incredible PR or they have incredible stories to tell that that go along with it. And they're counting on you know people posting and reposting and all of that uh, just to grow the the audience and the brand awareness. But 
Yeah, I think my my assumption of the capital would be to expand into new markets to take on more leases, both of the physical structures as well as the land, and hope that uh, Airbnb can drive them the demand that they want, uh, that they need to survive. I mean, I, ultimately, it's probably it, it makes sense, but I think you know it's it's challenging to get people to go out to the middle of nowhere if they don't have the cognitive awareness that this thing exists. Well, I also think uh, when the model of when they're leasing the land and then obviously having to build the cabins, like for like the capital like outlay that you'd have to have because you have to put in, you might not have to put in electricity, but if you don't put electricity, you have to put in propane, which is expect like in all of your you know sewer and all of that, all mm-hmm. of the water, and then building the physical structure. And I know that it's now fairly easy or easier than it has been to pre-assemble all these cabins and then take them apart and refabricate them on site. But still, uh, that's just, it's, I mean, it's a lot of money that's for one cabin. And so I'm curious to see how scalable that is as opposed to finding these cabins in the middle of nowhere. But, you know, that's obviously not a popular inventory type. I was going to say that I th- the logistics when it comes to operations for a normal property, whether it's urban or just a single family home is so different compared to these cabins and, or even a glamping site. Cause we took like for recreation rentals, we attempted and still want to attempt, but it just wasn't like the numbers going to add up and the logistics didn't add up. But we tried to do a glamping site um, on, it was like on five or 10 acres. We're going to do about five to seven cabins or like glamping tents and even those in itself was going to be like, you need to have someone full time operating that. You can't just kind of do an automated messaging system and keypad lock and noise monitoring and occupant. Like you can't do all the stuff that we're so used to talking about and preaching on, whether on this show or in operations or at Verma. Like it's just not the same. And it's really hard to, to, to manage, to be honest. Yeah. You're going to go wash the sheets down in the river. Like, yeah, <laughs> these, these well, tiny homes don't have laundry yeah. machines. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you think about cell service. A lot of these locations probably have really spotty cell service. So if you have a guest that gets stuck in the mud during a particularly rainy week, like there's just, I, um, you know, just think from our operation side in cities, how difficult that is. And then putting that in, like places that I've been in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> like if something really happens, you have to kind of walk out maybe to find cell service. So I'd be, it's, uh, I'll be curious. I would love, I would love to see what their operations are like and what they're kind yeah. of like. Also their staffing is like. Yeah. Cause you can't charge 500 bucks a night at these places, but if they really are in the middle of nowhere, getting someone to go turn them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. with gas prices these days, it's going to be insane. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I was going to say that the safety aspect alone, but like you said, Michael, the the laundry, you're going to have to like part of your SOP is you're going to have to have like four or five par, like to be honest, mm-hmm. like there's no way you're going to be able to turn over uh, a cabin like that with quality linen and, and laundry service without having a, a solid inventory amount. So, and that's just for the, that's just for the bedding. That's not including like adding like soaps and shampoos and kitchen stuff. Are they going to ask people to take off their sheets and to put their own sheets on? Yeah. We're going back to the OG vacation rental days. It comes full circle. Yeah. <laughs> and back to no tech and to do everything. Yeah. 
Exactly. Exactly. But it'll be, I mean, I, I think that it's also an opportunity for innovation. I mean, these companies yeah. aren't going to go back that way. So it'll be very interesting to see kind of how they finagle an efficient system. So the, the question I want to ask you guys, because I, so this coming Wednesday, Steve Milo was on slick talk or is on slick talk. He's kind of, his episodes coming out and he talked about, you know, you know, we know the spitfire that he is, right? He, he definitely draws a crowd, grabs attention. That's why I loved the episode. It was a lot of fun for me um, personally, but he, he did mention that, okay, Airbnb, Airbnb promotes live like a local. And his comment after going into a couple of examples of how living like a local can damage communities, uh, going into how vacation rentals are supposed to be this destination creation kind of aspect right where it's out in the woods it's maybe not in your normal market where there's not a lot of local communities and um you know a, a heavy uh, uh maybe a, a lack of heavy tourism uh traffic so what are your guys's thoughts should vacation rentals really go into the route of like the rouse method where it's hey let's find some unused land this landowner can make a little side money or whether it's a rev share or a lease and then you know we have this awesome experience and destination creation or do we go back into everybody should be able to have the right to list a room a house an investment property a city you know apartments whatever it is they should all have that right to do it and, and go all in i have a lot of thoughts on feelings about this <laughs> <laughs> um, i knew you were I that's think... why i want to ask I, I think that there's, I'm, and I don't think there's one clear answer to this. I think the live like a local, if you're traveling, let's say to Munich and you're with one or two people and you want to be in the heart of the city and kind of experience what it's like to do that. That's a different type of travel than when you're showing up with like 12 people for a bachelor party or a family vacation. And so there's all these different types of travel. And I can see where when you're putting, you know, over a short period of time, significantly more people in a community that's not used to accommodating that, that that can be very damaging for the local community. And the other side of that is there are some communities that are very small that are only in existence because there are tourists that are coming because you are having these huge groups of people come in the summer or the winter, whatever it is. And if you take that away, then that community doesn't have necessarily a source of income. So I think that that portion is more like a regulation question and setting maybe limits or, you know, you know, having some sort of sensible policy that doesn't totally stifle those smaller communities that can't handle the demand. So we talked about this pre-show a little bit, but the industry in urban markets is certainly moving a lot more towards hotel style. And in vacation rental markets, it's moving a lot more towards um, you know, destination or remoteness uh, is is a good thing. I think you know, if you really want to live like a local, go live in a suburb, go to a, a soccer game, you know, your, your toddler soccer game on a weekend. You know, people living like a local while they're traveling, it's a faux pas. You know, I don't, when I travel, I'm, I'm not doing the same activities I do when I am living a normal life in my own town. So it's a nice thought. It's, it's aspirational for sure, but I probably stay up later and have the music louder and 
spend more money. And yeah, it's just, it's not the reality when people travel. So living next door to one, I get why a lot of people wouldn't want to in an urban setting when they are living there and they are a local. Um, but part of it goes back to guests and, and how they behave. And if they actually want to live like a local, they're going to respect their neighbors and they're going to respect the community and not trash it and not build a, a bad name or bad reputation for other guests. So you know, we always look towards platforms or properties, but I always try and look towards the travelers. Just mm-hmm. don't be a jerk when you travel. If you want to stay up late and drink too much, then go to a bar. Like that's what they're built for. Um, so, you know, if that's how you behave at your own house, like I'm glad I don't live next door to you, <laughs> but it's, you know, it happens from time to time for celebrations and whatnot, but you know, it, it really comes down more towards the guests than, you know, property manager can do everything right. They can have, you know, screens in place. They can have noise aware. they can have, you know, even people on site. People used to throw hotel parties all the time. People are on site. It, it just, it still happens when people are traveling. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a time and place for anything. And hopefully we can raise the next generation to understand and respect boundaries. Yeah. Do we think that travelers have gotten more rowdy and less respectful or are we just hearing about it more? Because I honestly don't really know the answer to that, but it's like, there's no accountability um, for you as a traveler, except your own like personal, you know, levels of respect for other people, you know, because the guest rating, for example, on Airbnb, I mean, that doesn't, doesn't really do anything. So I, it's curious that it does get, I think a little frustrating as an operator when you're like the, everything is all the responsibility is on us to make sure that everything is done correctly. And then we have no control over what other people are doing, you know? And if we, if you do have on-site security, like for, we have big buildings in Miami and New Orleans, we have overnight security, but it might be one person. So, you know, are they responsible for hundreds of people's behavior in that building? So, and those are all in theory adults. So, you know, it's my, yeah, I, I struggle. There's no, I don't think there, in my opinion, there's no really right answer, right? It's you have to be as an operator, you, you have to set the right scene, right? I think you have to like, I, I hate this phrase and term, but like knowing your avatar, right? Like, okay, who are you trying to attract and like do your best to create that scene and scenario, right? But we're not in a perfect world and never are going to be. So you're going to have people that are going to not be your quote unquote avatar or your typical guest that you would love to have, but they're going to look at your property on Airbnb, Verbo, whatever. And they're going to see it and be like, damn, that looks like a fun time. I want to party there. I can look really cool in front of my friends or my coworkers or whatever if I know get this place it'll be a great great thing um but then also like you guys are saying is you you have to kind of hopefully you know think that these people are adults and that they could be responsible enough to know when to stop drinking when to turn down the music when to you know do all this other stuff whatever it might be but you know we're uh i'm I'm guilty i'm i may have uh you know music going on too loud and, and not be drinking i'm just i'm deaf so for me, you know, uh, some of that stuff is different, but you know, it's just kind of, I don't know. There's a, I think it's both. I think it's both set the scene right for the right people that you want 
but then the guest should be, should be more responsible and yeah, understanding. It's that. not something you can regulate out of existence. If you ban short terminals like New York City did, then people still Hotels figure out a way in. to do it. Yeah. Uh, if you put all the right checks in place, bad guests can still happen, or or people that are good guests typically can be out of character and behave poorly. It happens. Um, you know, I think the onus is on a lot of people, but I think this is also why, to an earlier point, short-term rentals, especially in urban markets, are moving more towards hotel-style inventory uh, versus you know, single home. The biggest challenge is not in markets like Myrtle Beach or Hilton Head that are almost exclusively travel and, and short-term rentals, but it's in places like Palm Springs that have a very blended community between residents, retirees, mm -hmm. and travelers. Yeah, that's where it gets really, really challenging to properly regulate. Uh, you know, if Hilton Head banned short-term rentals, the whole town dies and you know, the houses go foreclosed. In cities, they can totally ban it, and there's hotels. Maybe a few more hotels get built, and that's that. But these blended communities, housing prices will drop tremendously if short rentals are banned. You know, I think La Quinta uh, out in, in the Palm Desert funded their entire parks and rec um, annually by the TOT from short rentals. So these communities are getting benefit out of it. But does it outweigh the complaints and the concerns? Uh, I think they also did, I'm quoting from memory, so this is not perfect, but the majority of complaints come from five or 10 neighbors. Mm -hmm. And so they're very loud. They call in every week, every time someone checks in. Is it really a community-wide problem or is it one neighbor just really hates the activity next door? Or maybe that neighbor has had bad experiences. Uh, so is it like a three strikes you're out? And then, yeah, it's, it's just a really complex topic, especially in very blended communities. I was going to yeah, ask you, Brandy, do you, I was going to ask you, do you think operators need to get more strict? I feel like a lot of operators just like a party happens or something bad happens where a guest kind of trashes a place and not like maybe not intentionally. They're just, let's just say they're sloppy humans they don't clean they they're dirty they're just hygiene is out the window when it comes to living do you think operators are just need need to be more strict or do they have lack of control to even be more strict on like charging like extra cleaning fees or whatever that might entail yeah i think it's incredibly difficult you so for us for example like we can have photographic evidence with like time stamps of someone just like totally destroying the place the odds that we are going to recoup that money from a guest. And it's not like, you know, someone broke a, you know, bed and we're trying to get the money. It's like, you just were a mess. It's it almost, it's very, very, very difficult. I would say we almost never win those cases or even, I mean, we don't really try anymore unless it's something truly egregious. Um, 
And so I would love to say that, yeah, we could try to put like a little bit more of a stop to it. But for parties, I mean, that takes additional manpower and hiring more people is incredibly expensive. So there's that component. And then there's just the difficulty for at least for us. It's just easier to like call it a wash and be like, OK, that was expensive. Blacklist the guest and try to move on. So it's difficult because if, if the operator tries to control the situation a bit more, the costs just go up tremendously. Totally. Makes sense. Which means the good guests are paying more to cover mm -hmm. the bad guests yeah. activities. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So they're, yeah, basically the answer to our question is there is no right answer. It's both the operator and the guests need to both be <laughs> responsible and, and, and go with that. So interesting. Well, uh, don't be a jerk. I know we're, yeah, don't go. be a jerk. Clean up after yourself. Um, you'll get less of a cleaning fee. Maybe, um, maybe, um, Cool. Well, this was a fun topic. I really enjoyed it. Michael, you have anything to say before I wrap it up or what? No, I think just, just to by, end where we started, it's it's great to see the industry juggernauts putting money in places that's not just Airbnb. Um, yeah, I think hopefully that trend continues. It's going to be good for the space overall. And this is how more and more startups can get born is through uh, the people who've done it and been wildly successful reinvest in the space that they know best. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, I mean, super exciting to see. And I, I hope, uh, I hope they continue to do this. Same. Agreed. Well, uh, I have a very serious and important announcement to make. Um, I'm leaving the show. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Uh, but <laughs> no, I do have a, I do have and a, one and for which I'm thankful. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Love it. Um, no, uh, for on a serious note, uh, we did get a couple DMS from some of our listeners saying what happened to this host, uh, GPO giveaway that we're supposed to do. We are doing it December 1st. We decided not to do it right before the, the holiday because everyone was taking time off. So just to, any of our listeners that have DM'd me on Instagram or even on LinkedIn, we are doing the coffee box giveaway December 1st. So check out social medias for that. Um, I promise we didn't tell you we we're going to do a giveaway and then not do it. Uh, it was just bad timing on our part. And we realized we wanted to wait until everyone was back from holiday. So that was my important announcement. Super thankful you guys uh, do the show every Monday. And any other closing thoughts? comments before we we're thankful we for you will yes oh uh, yeah sure sure you are michael <laughs> mr that... i wish Will would quit the show uh, mine was said with uh, sincerity <laughs> i knew brandy was she's, she's mine no will. <laughs> hey we're almost at our 100th episode so i can't quit before our 100th episode at least and then i'll quit All right so we've got the target date <laughs> <laughs> two more weeks he's out just kidding is that it all right guys yeah, like two more weeks. I think we're at nine. This is 98, I think. Wow. Don't quote me. 97, right. 98. One of those. So, right. Yep. Yeah. We very exciting stuff. Big for 100. Yeah. I know. We we're supposed to do something big for our two year anniversary, too. But man, we uh, <laughs> came we're, to we're doing real All good. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Love it. All right, guys. Well, thank you uh, again for all of our listeners for tuning in for these extra couple minutes. And we'll see you all again next week. Bye.